The third lesson this morning comes from John's Gospel, the 18th chapter, verses 33 through 37. Hear the word of the Lord. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting, that I might be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. This is the word of God for the people of God. Well, here we are in the midst of this Thanksgiving season. Many of us are already thinking about that wonderful meal that we're going to be eating. All of that ham, that turkey, that macaroni and cheese, the sweet potato pie. Notice I said sweet potato pie because it is infinitely better than pumpkin pie. We're thinking about those people that we're going to be able to share this meal with, be them friends or or family, whoever they may be. We have this passage recorded in John's Gospel. Apparently, the author of the Gospel of John never got that good etiquette training that he needed to refrain from bringing up these two off-limit topics at such a wonderful time of the year, religion and politics. He throws them all together while we're thinking about this wonderful meal that we'll be sharing around this common table. You see, we live in the midst of a world that ends up seeing this week, this Thanksgiving week, as a way to capitalize on our consuming fetish. We will consume so much in the coming seven days. We will eat our way into a full belly stupor that leaves us able to do little more than wander to the couch to watch an uneven football score before we fall asleep for several hours. We'll wake up at such odd hours of the night, hours that no person who is up to any good should ever see, just to get the greatest possible deal we can find after having given thanks for what we already have. We find ourselves in the midst of this Thanksgiving season, this season of giving thanks for this God-given right to be able to consume all that we possibly can from this world around us. And then we take a step back, and we look around, and we see all of the things that are just not right in this world. We see people hurting. We see people hungry. We see countries at war with one another. We see people acting with hate in their hearts. We start to notice that the more that we consume of this world, the more that this world starts to consume us. Maybe the author of the Gospel of John isn't so concerned with the proper etiquette when it comes to discussing religion and politics in the midst of a time and in the midst of a world when we need a right understanding of both religion and politics. Maybe the author of the Gospel of John is more concerned with causing us to come face to face with the living Christ so that we have to make a choice. 
Perhaps what we see going on in this passage is a conversation, maybe even a confrontation, that each one of us, each one of us, should be having with the Son of God. I love the Gospel of John because it works a little bit differently than the other three Gospels. The Gospel of John is usually speaking on at least two or three different levels, if not more, at any given time. This particular passage from John's Gospel is not doing that. Some theologians, they'll be able to make the argument that it still is. But I think at this point, when things have gotten real with Jesus, when he's standing in front of Pontius Pilate, this discussion, this conversation, this confrontation, John is placing this squarely in front of the reader and asking us to ask that same question that Pilate has already asked. Are you the king? Are you the king? Pilate wanted to know if Jesus was the king of the Jews. You see, Pilate's job, his whole job, was to keep the status quo the status quo, to make sure that the unrest, whatever unrest may come, did not get too large. If the unrest unrest got too large, if it grew too large, Pontius Pilate's superiors, they'd come in and they would remove him. You see, Rome just wanted things to stay the way they were. You could do whatever you wanted to do as long as you pledged allegiance to Rome and as long as you paid those taxes they were asking. But they didn't want unrest. You see, if there was unrest, at best, Pilate would lose his job. And at worst, he would be killed. Pilate had a reason to ask this question. Pilate had a reason to want to know who this Jesus of Nazareth really was. You see, his life depended on it. Pilate needed to know if there was anyone wandering around his region that the people might be pledging allegiance to. He needed to know if Jesus would disrupt the status quo. Jesus needed to know if Pilate really actually wanted to know who he was. He needed to know if he really wanted to know if Jesus was king. Or if he was just asking this because he had heard some rumors going around town. Are you the king of the Jews? Well, I don't know, Pilate. Do you really want to know? Or are you just saying this because you've heard it? What would happen if we found ourselves face-to-face with Jesus of Nazareth? What would happen if we had the nerve to ask the question that could turn our world upside down? What would happen? What would happen if we asked the question that could cause us to pledge our allegiance to this humble carpenter from Nazareth? The one who was speaking things that were radically against the status quo. Could we find the courage to utter those words? Are you the king? We know that his response, at least his response to Pilate, would put the ball squarely back in our courts. Do you ask this because you really want to know? Or are you just asking this because you've heard other people say it? Do you ask this because you seek a change in your heart? Do you ask if I am king because you are in a position that causes you to need a king to rule your life. See, that forces us to take our faith just a little more seriously. A king that forces us to make the decision of whether or not we'll follow him. That's a king that rules in a little different manner. 
Most kings don't give people the option to rule uh, or whether or not they will, they will follow their rule or not. Most kings, they rule with an iron fist. They rule by dictated law. And if you don't follow, you can leave town or be removed. But this king, this ruler, he's not forcing his kingdom on anyone. But he does require your life if you choose to be a part of it. And it's your choice. It is your choice. You're free to decide, is he your king? The one who will lead you, the one who will guide you and give you everything you need to build his kingdom? Or will he be your loyal subject? Will you use him? Will you tell Jesus what you require in order for him to be in your presence? I think this is where we run into so many problems in this world. And I think when we take a step back and we look around, this is what causes so many of these problems. You see, there's a fine line between being loyal to Christ and allowing him to be your king and being loyal to yourself and allowing Jesus to be your loyal subject. See, the more I think about this, the more I believe that we have trouble with this relationship between ourselves and our, our Jesus, our king. Because he's a king that works just a little bit differently than any other king that we've encountered in, in movies or in books or in history. This king that we claim to follow, he's a servant. And I can't think of any other king who washed the feet of his followers. I cannot think of any other king who allowed the outcast, those on the edge of society, literally, those on the outside walls of society, to touch him because they believed that they could be made whole. I can't remember any other king, any other king, who cared so deeply for the least and the last and the lost that he dedicated his entire life to making their lives better. Are you the king? Are you the king, we ask him? Well, that depends upon your heart, Jesus responds. What are you doing in my name? How are you caring for the least and the last and the lost? What have you done today to build my kingdom? What will you do tomorrow to build my kingdom? When did you serve your neighbor? The one who doesn't necessarily look like you, the one who doesn't necessarily act or dress like you, maybe even the one who does not yet worship me. You say that you want to know if I am the king. Is your heart ready for that answer? Is your life ready to be surrendered? More importantly, are you ready to be transformed for the transformation of the world? Am I your king? Am I your king? You'll find the answer when you can answer this question. Are you my disciple? The cards are on the table. An encounter with Jesus is not always a socially polite encounter. A true encounter with the Son of the living God does not allow you to leave that encounter the same way you came to it. It forces us to make a decision. We can say no. We can say yes. And if you say no, that's perfectly okay. It's your choice. Again, he's not forcing his kingdom on anyone. This road that Jesus calls us to walk, it's a difficult one. It's one that's going to present us with challenges, it's going to present us with difficult decisions, ones that may not seem like there is a right answer. 
It's a road that he is also willing to walk alongside of everyone who decides to walk. But until we're ready to walk that road wholeheartedly, with everything we are and everything we have, we may be unable to truly say, yes, you are my king. And if we can't, we need to recognize that we're the ones who have made that decision. We've made the decision that he's not. But again, you can also say yes. You can say yes. You are my king. And I will do whatever it is that you're calling me to do. I'll go wherever it is that you're calling me to go. And I will befriend whoever it is that you're calling me to befriend. I will do that which is difficult. I will do that which I feel like I cannot do if you have called me to do it. Because you're my king. And I know you're with me. So we've got Jesus calling us to a different sort of life. His kingdom's a little different than the other kingdoms that we're used to encountering. And the people he seeks out, they tend to be people that most of society would prefer that we don't seek out. So how are we supposed to allow this humble carpenter from a small little town of Nazareth to rule the kingdom of our hearts? How can we be this king, loyal subjects? Let me start off by saying that we have more ways of building God's kingdom here at Central than I can count. We have groups who help repair homes in the community, who help build churches in Costa Rica, who go to Kentucky to help repair those people's homes. We have people every single Thursday who come to worship and pray for people in need. People here in this church, in the town, in the state, people all throughout the world. We have people who volunteer at homeless shelters. We have people who volunteer at food banks and other agencies who help those who Jesus was seeking out throughout his life. We have just about everything you can imagine, every way you can imagine to serve this servant king. But we're about to do something a little different. On January 23rd, we're going to feed 100,000 people in Florence in two hours. These bags here, they're filled with lentils, rice, different spices. They are excellent in nutrients. And there's six meals in each one of them. This is something that we have chosen to do on January the 23rd. This Thanksgiving week, it's a week when we are going to eat a lot. This is a week when we will spend a lot of time thinking about how we can maximize the amount of good food that we can fit in our limited space here in our bodies. But while we're doing that, let us also think about the way that we can maximize the amount of food that we can put into other people's hungry bellies. It's not all about us. God's calling us to help. And one of the ways that we're going to do that is by raising $25,000 between now and January 23rd to pack these 100,000 meals. If you do the math, that's 25 cents a meal. 25 cents. It's not a lot, but it goes a long way. For $10, you can feed 40 people. For $100, you can feed 400. Let me put this into some biblical terms for you. There was a story about Jesus preaching to a large group of people. It was a huge group of people. And they needed to hear the words of this Messiah. 
They've been listening to Jesus preach, teach about life, about the kingdom of God, of, of what it meant to experience hope in the midst of darkness, of what it meant to experience love when you were pushed on the edges of society. And it got late in the day. They hadn't had anything to eat. They were so hungry. But they didn't want to leave Jesus because he was giving them what they needed. The disciples came up to Jesus and said, these people are hungry. They noticed they were hungry. So we need to send them away. Let them go find some food. Jesus said, uh-uh. That's not the way we do it. We're going to feed them. You're going to feed them. Jesus told the disciples to go out, gather whatever they could amongst the people in the crowd, bring it back to them. These disciples, they came back with a small little portion of bread, a small little portion of fish, not nearly enough to feed all of these people. And the disciples handed it to Jesus and said, Are you the king that's going to be able to do this? Are you the king who can feed all of these people? The king responded, Are you my disciples who are going to help me? Are you my disciples who are going to go out there and give them the food that I have blessed? I'll help. But you have a part to do too. Perhaps it was by the disciples making themselves available to serve this servant king that a miracle took place that day. Perhaps it will be by these disciples, these disciples, making yourselves available to the servant king that a miracle will take place on January 23rd. This is Christ the King Sunday, if you haven't picked up on that yet. At this very moment, we find ourselves in the midst of a conversation. In the presence of our God, will we ask the necessary question? And are we willing to offer our lives as the answer? Are you my King? Am I willing to be your disciple?